This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. I'd rather not know how you get your gossip. Uh, what else do you know about them? <laughs> Today's feature presentation is The Shaggy Dog from 1959. Katie, what is this movie that you made us watch? What Ex is this? Excuse me. We decided together, okay? But seriously, what did we just watch dude i don't know i was watching this movie and my roommate she's like what are you watching and i'm like i don't know a movie about a dog but that's about all that i know and then you were telling me the plot and i was like this movie makes no sense i think when i was texting you because i watched it first i think when i was texting you things from the plot highlights and key things story elements you didn't believe me because it's so indecipherable and there's like three movies worth of content in here I mean, did you even believe what you were texting me? No, no. It was so ridiculous that I couldn't believe the things I was typing. It was perfect. Like, it, it was fantastic because I watched this with my wife and we made fun of it the whole time. And that is what let me get through this movie. I cannot imagine trying to watch this movie on my own the way that you did. Uh, I tried. I think my roommate watched, like, part of it with me, but she, like, just, like, left the room. And she's like, why are you watching this? I was like, because I have to. Yeah, it's so strange. And I'll dive into history here in a second, but we just have to say up front, like, this is a weird one. This is a really, really weird one. Um, yeah, okay, we'll get back to our high-level thoughts because I don't even know if we can talk moment to moment because it would just sound insane. So the history behind this one, um, The Shaggy Dog from 1959. It's based on a 1923 novel called The Hound of Florence by Felix Sultan. And Disney bought the rights to this book at the same time that they bought the rights to Bambi and a bunch of other novels from the same author. So this is the same author that wrote Bambi, wrote the book that this is based on. And this was Disney's first live action comedy. And I legitimately had no idea the entire time I was watching this movie that it was supposed to be funny or that it was a comedy. I have no way of telling that from what I watched. Did you feel like that too? No, because I sent you like a, sh I was shocked message when you said that it was a comedy because there was nothing funny about this movie other than the fact that this movie was a joke. Yes, there was nothing funny about this movie, but it was Disney's first comedy movie. Um, it, there's a bunch of like interesting and weird history around it, which is why we decided to cover it. So it is a first. We always try to get the firsts when there's like a first Disney movie that meets whatever criteria that's interesting. So again, first comedy or first live action comedy, I should say. Um, and then beyond that, <laughs> there's some just like weird things about it. So like the dialogue, there's, there's a talking dog in this movie. The dialogue for the dog would be written to match the mouth movements of the dog in post-production, not the other way around. So they didn't actually like plan the story for the dog and then try to like, you know, move its mouth. And then they would just like, you know, make the dog do what they needed it to for the story. They would just have the dog randomly move its mouth. And then when they were done, like later when they're editing, they would try to make something up that would fit the story. Um, and then the other thing is if the dog didn't move its mouth, they would feed it beef jerky until it moved its mouth. It was weird. This one was strange. D despite all of this, it did well at the box office. It grossed $9.6 million on a budget of less than $1 million. No. Yes. Yes, no. it did. Um, which means that 
So it was out in 1959, the same year that Ben-Hur was released. Because this movie did so well off of such a small budget, this was more profitable than Ben-Hur was that came out that year, which is an extremely famous movie that did lots and lots of money at the box office. That is like leagues better than this movie by a a lot, by a whole lot. Yeah, and at the time that this was released, this was literally the most profitable Disney film ever. No. It's so weird. It did it well enough that it got a sequel in 1976 called The Shaggy DA. So it's about like, uh, you know, someone who's a talking dog and also a district attorney. Very weird. It got a made-for-TV sequel in 1987 and then a made-for-TV remake in 1994 and then a theatrical remake in 2006. So they, like, really liked this premise. They kept doubling down on it. No. It is not good. (laughs) I don't understand. No, I don't either. Um, And apparently this movie was the direct inspiration for My Three Sons, the TV show. Um, I guess it's two of the same actors. And then also there's a dog in that one. So something. I, I don't know why that is. I did pull a quote from the leading actor from this movie, who is the kid, right? He's like a early, mid-teens kid. He's probably like 16, I think, in this movie is what he's trying to be. He's the same kid from Old Yeller, who is the lead in that. And his name is Tommy Kirk. It was the actor. So he had this to say about this movie. He said, quote, At the time, I viewed it as a fairy tale. But in later years, I've come to think of that film as one of the screwiest combinations of plot elements in any movie ever made. It has all the realistic elements of the Cold War, Russian spies plotting against the government, mixed in with a rivalry over a net between two teenage boys, mixed in with a fantasy about a boy who turns into a dog because he encounters a ring from the Borgias. I could not summarize the movie better than that actor just did. This movie is nuts. Like... And that's, I think, gets us into the high-level thoughts. Like, what, 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 what did we even, Katie, like, what? (laughs) I mean, this is probably legitimately one of the weirdest bad movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen some bad movies. And, yeah. yeah, I agree. The storyline, I don't know how else to describe it, but it being a hot mess. Like pretty much. I mean, it the I just I still can't believe this movie exists. I can't believe what I watched. This is honestly one of the strangest movies that I've ever watched in my entire life either. Not just Disney movies, not just for this podcast, but just like straight up out of all the movies that I've watched in my entire life, this is one of the weirdest. And because of that, I'm almost glad that we watched it even though it's not good in any respect. Like it's just so weird that I'm glad I've experienced it once, I think is where I landed with it. I feel like that's just sort of been our overall description of the movies from the 1950s is I'm glad that I watched it. And that's all I got to say. (laughs) So there are so many strange and incoherent moments in this. Is there anything that you particularly want to call out? So going into this movie, I thought that like the dad was going to be the one that turned into the dog because yeah, me he too. because he hates dogs, right? Yep. No. No. It legitimately had nothing to do with that. Like what was the whole point of him hating dogs? Like other than the fact that he was a postman. That was I it. I guess 
they were trying to make it funny, apparently, in retrospect. It, it's not funny. It doesn't no, make any not. sense. So, like, the son turns into a dog after he gets a cursed ring because that makes total sense because the ring was perfectly placed within his the cufflink of his pants after he knocked down a really expensive, really ancient, I don't know, priceless box of jewelry at a museum that he was just randomly hanging out in. I don't know. It just really like why? Yeah. And he like knew the curse or a song or something like I, I maybe I, I zoned out at that point, like where I missed like how he was able to like figure out how to turn into a dog. I don't know. Uh, he doesn't like I it doesn't make sense. You're right. Like he gets a ring and then he's cursed, but he doesn't control it. But sometimes he's a dog and sometimes he's a kid. It, it the transitions to make becoming a dog doesn't make any sense. No. Like, is there supposed to be some sort of lesson learned in this movie? Like the dad should like dogs, or is it like something different? Like, I don't understand. I don't either. It's uh, the, there are so many weird. Th- the movie starts with the kid experimenting in his basement. He launches launches a rocket literally through the entire house and the dad is allergic to dogs so the son turns into a dog but then the dad hates dogs so much that when the son turns into a dog the dad gets his shotgun from the closet on the main floor of the house just like the coat closet there's just like a shotgun there he grabs it and then he goes to shoot the son who's also a dog and shoots a bunch of laundry in the suburbs and that's not even like remotely close to the weirdest thing in this movie. Like it, it's just so incomprehensible. There are three movies worth of plot in this movie, and they are not woven together in any coherent manner whatsoever. That might be the most coherent or normal part of this would be keeping a shotgun in the closet. I don't know. Yes. Yep. Um, I don't even know what else to say about the moments in this one. It's just, it's weird. Let's get into the bad and the good. Um, bad. What did you think? The entire movie. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like this movie was supposed to be some sort of like play on the fact that the Red Scare was going on because they focused so much on the whole Red Scare, communism, Russian thing for way too much of the movie. And then all of a sudden the dog is like part of that, which doesn't make any sense. And not, not the dog, but like he just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just my brain is blank with trying to deal with this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I said for the bad, um, the insane plot is just it's incoherent and it's just crazy. Um, And then the 50s sexism is rampant in this one. It's just bad throughout the whole thing. So that's bad, too. Um, The good. I think the dog was well-trained. He had to have been to do the things that he did in this movie. So he's a good dog, I guess. That's that's what I think. Yeah, the dog is probably the only part that makes that's good about this movie. I don't know. He's a good good dog. I don't know. Good dog. Okay. Um, so, Katie, would we watch it again? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Okay. 
No, I said no also. Once is more than enough for a lifetime. But if you ever want to just go watch a really insane movie that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, I guess this one is your movie. It's weird. It's a weird one. Um, if you guys want to watch along, what we're going to watch next is Princess Diaries from 2001. We're going to do The Emperor's New Groove from 2000. I'll Be Home for Christmas from 1998. And then The Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. And then we're going to wrap up season one. We're almost at the end of season one. We're going to take a little break and be back with season two. So we have plans. We're not going anywhere, but we will take a break around the holidays. Um, With that being said, don't forget we're part of a network. We have podcasters. We have streamers. We have the Geekery blog with articles and more. All of that at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. And that brings us to Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. Katie. What have you been up to? Um, well, I'm watching The Mandalorian. Yes, uh, me too. Because it's necessary, because it's such a good show. It's necessary and good. Yes. I mean, it's a billion times better than this movie we watched. Yes. Um, I'm still watching The Tale of the Nine-Tailed, which is a Korean drama that's currently, like, it's being aired. So they post, like, one or two episodes a week. So I'm still working on that one. Okay. I've watched all the available episodes, I think. Yeah. It's it's getting crazy. There's so much stuff going on, but like the couple, like the, the two leads are together now as like a couple, which is what I was waiting for. Um, so I'm happy. Um, and then I watched a bunch of episodes of The Masked Singer with my roommate, which I've, I haven't actually watched that show. I've watched like the Korean version um, because they've had some Korean, some like K-pop idols on it a few times. And then... Yeah. She was watching it, so I just like sat down and watched a bunch of episodes with her. So cool. It's pretty fun. Um for me this week, I finished up. I've just kind of picking away at it for a couple of weeks, but I watched Into the Unknown, Making Frozen Two, um, which was really, really good. Have I talked about this one at all yet? I don't you think I have. You only talked about the Olaf short. Okay, so this is behind the scenes of making Frozen 2. And it's not the entire production, but it's like the last year of production, which is really where most of it happens. Um, it was really well done. It was so interesting to see all the behind the scenes. And like, because I've made films before, not at this scale, I've never made a Hollywood film, but I have been part of lots of filmmaking and lots and lots of video production um, outside of that. So seeing this type of production at scale is just so fascinating for me because I know all the pieces I've been there before, but I've never been at like this large of one. And yeah, I was just utterly like transfixed. So it covers the last basically year leading up to the release of the film. And it's really cool to see not only the process and the production, but also the places where they struggle and the places where things just kind of like fall into place and it just works right from the beginning. So from a story perspective, like where they have to break the story, where the story just works and like the changes they make along the way. So that was fantastic. It's like six episodes. The episodes range from like, I think the shortest one is like 25 minutes and the longest one is like maybe an hour. So all in, it's not a super long series, but it's good. And then I immediately went from that into rewatching Frozen 2 because I had to after that. (laughs) I still have not watched that movie even once. It's good. I like that one. You got to get around to it at some point. I mean, technically, we'll get around to it eventually on the show. So you are correct. Uh, I started working on our end of the year episodes, and I now know how many we have left in the queue. So at some point, I think I'm going to start doing that countdown every week as the number goes up and down uh, as Disney adds them and as you and I knock them down. So that'll be fun. Um, 
with that said, that's probably it for this week. You guys can find us all over the internet. Our email address is DisneyForeverPodcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at DisneyEverPod. Or you can uh, talk to us in real time by joining our Slack workspace or Discord server. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the geek to geek podcast with BJ Keaton. And you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching the handle at Lady Catherine P. I'm also the co-host of two other podcasts with my best friend, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, and you can't stop me loving K-pop. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week, as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? I mean, it cannot be forever if they're going to make stuff like this. (laughs) 